congregation, I may proclaim to you this morning the word of God. In light of the passage we read from, our text is Haggai 2, verses 1 through 9. And after the proclamation of God's word, let us respond with the singing of Psalm 68, stanzas 11 and 12. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, building a house. This can be such a joyful thing to do. It can be such a wonderful labor of love. Especially when you have an abundance of resources, when you have plenty of money, good quality material, time. Then it's real joy. For those who build to see walls go up, a roof go on. And then we say, what a beautiful house, as as the finishing touches are made. This work of building a house can also be trying. It can be difficult, even at certain times disappointing, especially when the resources are meager and few, when money is not plentiful, When the best material is not there, for example, wood trim would have been nice, but plastic trim will have to do because it's cheaper. You would love to have that real hardwood floor, but plain linoleum will be laid down instead. If one had more time, they'd finish the basement off properly, but it's not possible now. And so you see, building a house can be good, can also be difficult. Now what about the building of this house? How does the building of this temple of God progress? How are we building? Are we building in faith? Building in obedience to God's word? Busy building each other up? Building to God's glory? As this work of building presents its challenges to each and every one of us, and at times you may even be discouraged, things don't seem to be going forward. They're not where we should be, you think. And you may be wondering, where are the resources for building up this temple? Where are the faithful and dedicated members, the enthusiastic members? Where's the wisdom and the love we need to deal with one another? Where is the time commitment which is so necessary for building? Really, do we have our priorities right? At times it may seem that there's nothing glorious about building up this church of Christ, this temple of the Holy Spirit. Seems like a lot of hard work. And yet what comes of all this work seems so meager, so little. Indeed, it can be discouraging. It's just where are we going when it comes to building? God's word then comes to you this morning, summarized under this theme. As we build, take courage. Greater glory awaits us in the Lord. And we'll pay attention to two things. First, that the Lord encourages his people to work. And then second, the Lord's encouraging promise of his work. I repeat, as we build... Take courage. Greater glory awaits us in the Lord. We'll pay attention first to the Lord encouraging his people to work. 
And then lastly, the Lord's encouraging promise of his work. This congregation had only been seven weeks earlier that, that the prophet Haggai had come for the first time to the people of Israel with God's words. And when he came the first time, he had commanded God's people to rebuild his house. And neglected doing this for years. They've been selfish. Instead of putting God first, they had put themselves first. And as a result, they never really had enough, so they thought, for, for building God's house. And now using his prophet, the Lord God did stir them up, he would say. And with the help of his spirit, they began to work on his house again. Started building the temple again. And for about four weeks they had been busy building. But things weren't going well. Rebuilding work was not going as they had hoped for. And they were frustrated. They were down and out about it all. For what they were doing was not adding up to a whole lot. And at that crucial point, Haggai comes again. He comes with his second prophecy. So it was on the 21st day of the seventh month that the word of the Lord came through Haggai. This Lord God had another message for his people who were so busy building. Now the day on which Haggai brought this message was important. The 21st day of the seventh month. All of God's people would have been in Jerusalem. They would have been celebrating at this time the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles, one of those three most important feasts for God's people. It's during this feast that God's people would move out of their own homes and they would move to their rooftops and They would live in little tabernacles, little booths made of branches and boughs of of palm trees and and willow trees. And during this this seven-day-long feast, God's people then would remember his great care for them. They would remember how he faithfully protected them for the 40 years as they went through the desert. It's how he provided for them, not just them, but also as they entered the promised land. Yes, the Feast of Tabernacles was also then a celebration of God's care and providing through the harvest of the crops and the orchards and the vineyards. Yes, they also rejoiced at the abundant harvest that he provided. It was a time to rejoice in the many blessings that came from God's hands. And so they would have also gathered there and there in Jerusalem at the building site, right before the altar, which was already in use. But really, what was there to celebrate in their times? Where were the good harvests? Where were the abundant provisions? As we know from chapter 1, harvests had been miserably poor. There had been droughts. As a result, there was financial hardship for, for God's people. Yet even when there was financial hardship, the Lord God did require them to give. He comes first, right? At all times. In good times and hard times. As 
God's people then, so also today, we give according to the measure of God's blessing on our daily work. We give, yes, willingly, we give cheerfully, we give, we give, yes, for the building up of God's temple, God's house. But really, what could they build with what they gave? Even if they gave their regular gifts faithfully, it didn't amount to a whole lot. And so what they were building also didn't amount to a whole lot. The temple they were building was nothing grand or glorious at all. And so in this situation, the Lord God comes. He comes by his prophet Haggai. He comes to a discouraged people and he asks them, Who who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? Well, there were a few. Yes, there were a few who had seen this house, this temple in its former glory. The very old who had returned from Babylon would have seen it. The very old would remember, yes, the destruction of the glorious temple of Solomon. Yes, they would have had the good memories, fond memories. What a temple, what a house that had been. Yes, Solomon's temple was truly splendid and, and beautiful. Magnificent, built of the finest materials, high quality stone and timber. Everything had been overlaid with gold. The furniture inside too was overlaid with gold. As the temple of Solomon was, was glorious in every way. And then Haggai asked those who remembered this glorious house. Now how does this house look to you now? When you compare houses, how does it look? It doesn't seem like a whole lot. No wonder their disappointment. Same reaction when they laid the foundation some 15 years earlier. As we know from Ezra 3 at that time, the older priests, the older Levites and fathers who had remembered the temple of Solomon, the old house of glory, they, they cried, they wept. The old one was so much better than the new one. The Solomon temple was so much better. Here they were in the seventh month, and it would have been in this month that Solomon dedicated this, this glorious temple to the Lord's service. Who couldn't help but think back of that old temple, that glorious temple, that golden temple, that magnificent temple, you could see the old ones were being filled with nostalgia. It's nostalgia. That bittersweet longing for the experiences and the things of the past. And how easily one can become nostalgic for the good old days and the good old things. Now we have that too in everyday life. We have it that we long for the for the good old days, the old way of life, or for the old cars and trucks, or the old songs on the radio, the old furniture. And you think, yes, old was better. And yes, this is what the older were doing there. They were comparing the old to the new. And as far as they were concerned, that old house, the old temple of Solomon was better. It was more impressive. It was more beautiful than what they were building here after the exile. This new one didn't have the gold. 
If only they could go back to the glory days of the past. And beloved, the same can happen today. Have this nostalgia for the past. Also when it comes to building up the church of our Lord Jesus Christ. To think that in the old days, everything seemed better. And church life was better. And preaching was better. And elders and deacons did a better job in shepherding and, and caring. If we could only capture the glory days of the past, or say the early days of the Canadian Reformed Churches, or other days in history. Now there were no doubt things which were better, and things which were not. Yet as the Lord God warns in Ecclesiastes 7 verse 10, do not say why were the old days better than these. For it is not wise to ask such questions. Indeed, God does not want His people to turn around and and praise the good old days. No, the wise man looks ahead. So we read there in Ecclesiastes, He who is wise, yes, knows that God is moving forward, and He's moving forward in His plan of redemption, in His plan of gathering for Himself His church, of building up His church. Yes, He's going forward. And in the days of Haggai, he was going forward to a new and better covenant. To the times of the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Of his death and resurrection and ascension and the massive outpouring of his Holy Spirit. Oh yes, God's people, they needed encouragement to go forward towards these times. And so he does give his people encouragement. He says there, now be strong, Zerubbabel. Be strong, Joshua. Be strong, all you people of the land. Yes, be strong. That is, be courageous and work. Go for it. Keep building up my house, even in the face of hardship, in the face of drought, in the face of few resources and people, in the face of foreign rule. Don't let anything get you down. And yes, the same also applies for today. As we too are to be strong, we're to be courageous, to work, building up even the face of of difficult circumstances. Yes, we are to build up this house, we're build up this temple in love, each of us doing his or her part. It's not being selfish, but humbly serving for, for the good of the other members, not being judgmental of one another, but being compassionate and kind towards one another, forgiving each other as, just as Christ did. Not letting any unwholesome talk come out of our mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up. But how can we do this? How can we engage in such upbuilding activity? How can we build up in love? Well, as the Lord God said to his people back then already, I am with you. Yes, I am with you. Talk about real encouragement for building, for working. This is all what you need to build up the church of Christ. What could be more glorious than having God with you? That's glorious. For yes, in his covenant... God has always promised to be with his people. Yes, this was his covenant's promise all along. As he says here, 
This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. Indeed, long ago, when Israel came out of Egypt, the Lord God promised, I will live among the children of Israel and I will be their God. And God is ever faithful to his promise to have his spirit remain with them. Also in those difficult and trying days after the return from exile, when the future did not look good at all, as here they were, they were just a little province in a massive empire, a poor little backwards province, one that was suffering from drought and and tough economic times. As here they were, so few in number, they're so financially weak, they could have been easily swallowed up by the nations and the peoples around them. Now really, what could be more helpful, what could be more glorious than than having God with them, have His Spirit remain with them? Indeed, they weren't to fear. They didn't need to fear what would come, what might come in the future. Beloved, we have the same promise. The same promise of old. The promise of the Lord that I am with you, my Spirit remains among you. Do not fear. But let us realize God promised so much more would happen by His power and by His Spirit in the future. As His promises are truly glorious. And that brings us to our, our second point. Yes, He is encouraging promise of His work. As the Lord God is looking forward to better days than those days right after the exile. As the Lord God says here, in a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations. And so what the Lord God is promising here is that he will work. And he will work in a very powerful way. In really shaking things up on a grand scale. Yes, his promise is to shake the entire cosmos. The whole world, you would say. The heavens, the earth, the sea, and the dry land, and the nations of the earth. Now this is not the first time the Lord God would work in this way. And it would not be the last time either. For so the Lord God works throughout all of time. Not just then in the past, but also in the future. Indeed, with His great power, the Lord God is at work in this creation, in the world with its great nations and empires. Yes, the Lord Almighty, the Lord of hosts, that is what it literally says here. You see, at work in creation. He determines the weather, when there will be rain and sunshine, storms and winds. He sets out when there will be drought and when there will be plenty. He brings the earthquakes and the floods, the shaking and shattering of things into pieces by them. He's the one that controls the economy, world trade. He determines when nations enjoy prosperity, also when they endure recession and poverty. He decides when to bring great empires together, and he decides when to decimate them and destroy them. And God's people would see that. In a little while, what would happen to the kingdom of the Medes and the Persians? What would happen to that empire in which they were a small, little, puny part of? It would be destroyed. 
be overthrown by Alexander the Great and his Greek army from... And what would happen to Alexander's empire? It too would be shaken and then shattered. Broken into pieces. And what would happen to those pieces? What would happen to the great Egyptian and and Syrian empires which followed? Eventually shaken and shattered. Eventually conquered by the Romans. And what about the Roman Empire? Eventually it too was shaken and shattered by, by invading barbarians. For where's the Roman Empire today? It's, it's gone. Yes, it happens exactly as the Lord God said. As we can also read it there at the end of this book. I will shake the heavens and the earth. I will overturn royal thrones and shatter the power of foreign kingdoms. I will overthrow chariots and their drivers, horses and their riders. They'll fall, each by the sword of his brother. So the Lord shook nations and emperors. He shook creation. And beloved, this prophecy is still being fulfilled. Think, for example, what's happened to the great nations, say, of the last 200 years. All at one time or another, they've been shaken and shattered. And look at what happened in creation with earthquakes and tidal waves and storms, hurricanes. And this will happen to the very end of time. And yes, then our Lord Jesus Christ will cause heaven and earth to shake when he comes a second time. It says the Lord promises there in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 26. Once more. Once more I will shake not only the earth but also the heavens. Yes once more you'll shake all of creation. But one thing will remain. And what remains. What stands forever as we sang It's the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. As he shakes the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land, he shakes all nations for this wonderful purpose so that his kingdom may come, so that his church may be built up, so that his church may be gathered and defended and preserved, not just in this one place, but throughout the entire world. For what does the Lord go on also to promise? Well, as it says here in our text, And the desired of all the nations will come and will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. Now what it literally says in the Hebrew, in the original, is this, the desirables, not the desired, but the desirables, the treasures of all the nations will come. The verb here is in the plural. So we need to translate, yes, the desirables or the treasures of the nations will come. And this wording you find in, in the RSV and in its improvement in the ESV. So the better reading is indeed the treasures of the nations will come in. And yes, the treasures of the nations did come in in the time of Haggai, the prophet. They came in for the building up of God's house there in Jerusalem. You can read that in, in Ezra 6, verse 6 through 8. There you read that the expenses for the building up of God's temple were, were paid out of the treasury of the, of the Persian Empire. 
And you can read in the chapter later, in chapter 7, that the gold and silver from the province of Babylon was taken up for the building up of this temple. But yet the treasures of the nations would come into God's households in a different way. In a more grand and glorious way later on. For what God's people were building in Haggai's time was not just a physical building. A stone of timber, of gold and silver. No, they were building something far more glorious. That's the concern for gold and silver was not, not crucial. The Lord can supply gold and silver. You can read that in verse 8. The important thing was that they were building a spiritual house. Also then, a house filled then with the spirit of Jesus Christ, the coming Savior. A house filled with God's glorious and powerful presence. And they were to be busy building, yes, this house, this kind of house, an enduring house. One one which the Lord will always make sure is there. A house far more important than the house made of stone, wood, and gold, and silver. This would be a very glorious and beautiful house into which all the nations would come in. Not just this tiny Jewish remnant. Indeed, the treasures of the nations would come, and the Lord would fill his house with glory later again. Yes, here we have Haggai prophesying of a very glorious future for this the spiritual temple they were building. And he wasn't the only one to prophesy in this way. Isaiah did the same. Chapter 60, Isaiah prophesied of Zion, of Jerusalem, of the church. And he said there, Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look about you. Your sons come from afar. Your daughters are carried on the arm. Then you will look and you'll be radiant. You'll look splendid. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. The wealth on the seas will be brought to you. The riches of the nations will come. And they will be accepted as an offering on my altar. And so I will adorn my glorious temple. You see then, it's not just Haggai, but also Isaiah. They're prophesying of an even more glorious future for God's temple, for God's spiritual house. Yes, as the Lord Almighty went on to say here by, by Haggai, the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, the house built by Solomon. Yes, this spiritual house we're building, it's far more glorious. And beloved, with Pentecost, with the outpouring of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this is happening. It's happening in full force. As he's building now today a temple, a, a grand temple. And who's part and parcel of this building project? Well, not just the nation of Israel, but all the nations of the world. Indeed, you and I. All of us together are being built into this temple, into this more glorious house of God. And so the treasures of the nations are being used for building this glorious temple. A temple not made with hands. It's this temple that's being built with all the treasures and gifts we have been given from God's hand by God's Spirit. 
And how many more gifts and treasures we have been given for the building up of God's house. Yes, the resources we have for building up God's church are tremendous. What blessings we have received. We have spiritual, material blessings. We have God's spirit. We have God's words. We have forgiveness of sins. We have righteousness. We have peace. We have talents. We have money. We have time. We have energy. We have so much more. Now we can be down and out about building up God's house. Times of building can be discouraging. For you think, what are we here? We're a few hundred members. Really, we don't amount to a whole lot in this world. But then, remember what we have heard here. The treasures of all the nations are coming. All the nations are being drawn into the house of the Lord. It's the church includes so many from all the nations and peoples and tongues of this world. And this work of the Lord is much more glorious than we can see with our eyes. Really, what do we know of all what God is building up, of all what He's gathering? Do we realize that He's building up this church in such places as China and Korea, Egypt and Sudan, Brazil and, and South Africa? Even in the midst of persecution and distress, His church is rapidly being built up. And yes, times of building, they can be discouraging in other ways too. For how much building up do we do among ourselves? Where are we all when it comes to building up? It's easy to leave it to a few members, to the office bearers, to the elders and the deacons and the minister. Yeah, we can become very easily selfish, spend our money on ourselves, forget to give our financial contributions how easy we can say we're we're busy have no time to help those who need real spiritual support on a regular basis how easily we can shy away from welcoming new members only have time for family and friends how easily we can become judgmental of others here but find it impossible to help them in a loving and kind way as we struggle building up. Yet, beloved, know what is proclaimed in the midst of God's people, in the midst of this temple. Think of those last words of our text. And in this place, I will grant peace. Because there, where they were building, was the ministry of peace, the ministry of reconciliation. As there, the priests were busy working before the Lord in his presence. And through the sacrifices that were brought, atonement was made. So sinners were reconciled with God, their Father. Yes, there they confessed their sins, and sins were declared forgiven. And they could leave from the presence of the Lord with his blessing, as the priest gave the blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. Now, beloved, in this far more glorious house, In this church gathering, the Lord of hosts also grants peace. The basic message we hear is one of peace, of reconciliation. By the blood of Jesus Christ's atoning sacrifice, as Jesus Christ has come, and thanks to his sacrifice, we have the complete forgiveness of all our sins. Also our sins 
and shortcomings we have, we commit as we're building up this house, are not building up this house. And so, yes, we may know a forgiveness of these sins. And we can go from here with God's blessing of peace. We can go forward in the strength of His Spirit, building up this house together, building according to His words. That is the blueprint. So, yes, we pursue peace and holiness among one another. Sure, there will be disappointments. Discouraging times. Just like in the days of Haggai the prophet. We live in less than ideal times. But we have the Spirit and we have the gifts. So we are assured of even a more glorious future. And so let us look at the present shortcomings in light of that coming glorious future. Yes, the promises of the future and of greater future awaits us. should stimulate us then to get busy working with the building up of God's house. For what will happen in the day of Christ's second coming? He's going to come again. Well, what did the Apostle John see coming? He saw something even more glorious. There in Revelation 21, he said, I didn't see a temple in the city. Because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. Because there in the end, God will be with his people. And he will be with his people perfectly, completely, as fully Yes, then the city, the new Jerusalem, won't need the sun or moon or to shine on it. No, the glory of the Lord will give its light, and the nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor in, and the glory and the honor of the nations will be brought in. Is all those glorified and sanctified talents and gifts granted to those who believe will be brought in, and there will be that perfect submission and obedience before the throne of God. Because that is what we have to look forward to. And so let us go forward in faith. Building up this house. And let us realize that he is at work. So we can work. For he is always with us. Amen.